Sex and happiness both enrich our lives, yet it's surprising how few people can honestly say that they enjoy regular and fulfilling sex or describe themselves and their lives as happy. Host Lori Handlers helps you to experience real intimacy and happiness. You'll laugh a little, learn a little, and we hope put a smile on your face and a smile in your life. Now here's Lori. Hi, everybody. This is Laurie Handlers, and you're listening to another episode of Sex and Happiness, a show about sex and happiness. And today, we're going to be talking about beyond monogamy. Now, I've talked about this subject before, and uh, I've had some really heavy hitters in, in the world of polyamory on the show. Kamala Davy McClure was on the show once or twice, and I've certainly had other people discuss this. But I think we're going to find this show very interesting from the viewpoint that the person I'm interviewing has been at this for quite some time, maybe longer than the people, the other people that I've interviewed. So we're going to get some tips from him. And his name is Pour Votre Plaisir. And that's, of course, you know, a a stage name, but we're gonna call we're gonna call him poor and that's how you'll be able to find him poor votre plaisir and that's French for for your pleasure. And um poor is a writer, a speaker, an erotic author, a jester, a joyous pansexual polyamorist. He's had more than thirty one years of polyamorous relationships and experience in kink and swing. He blogs at net and is on Twitter as PSV Writer. So we'll find that out again. We'll spell everything out in segment three. Poor, it is very good to have you on the show today. Thanks for joining me. It's delightful to join you, Lori. Yeah, wonderful. So you know, 31 years of not <laughs> you know, that's just in itself as a whole twisted mouthful and other things. So kink and swinging, which is great. I have some experience in those too, so we can mm-hmm. talk about them. Um, how did you 31 years ago decide you were going to be non-monogamous? How, well, I'll just say how I decided was to not ever marry. <laughs> so That so was I, a good way to do it. Yeah, my solution to the same situation was to say, uh, I don't think so. I'm not doing this. Okay. And I did it exactly the opposite way. Almost <laughs> paradoxically, I became non-monogamous when it was time to get married. Wow. I, so, was, I was looking to get married. Yeah. I was engaged. Yeah. And I was coming to that with very little social or sexual experience. And my fiance had, shall we say, quite a bit more. Okay. And I thought, I want this to be successful. I want this marriage to succeed. Am I going to ask someone who's used to a smorgasbord to eat the same thing for dinner every night the rest of their life? That doesn't sound like a recipe for success. And so mentioned the idea of non-monogamy. Well... My fiancé thought, A, it was a fascinating notion, B, that it was kind of silly because part of why she was getting married was to get off the merry-go-round. But the more we talked and thought about it, the more she realized that she had significant relationships in her life. 
that she was willing to put aside for the duration of the marriage, and that really there wasn't any reason to. Because you weren't asking her for that. I was not asking her for that. I originally said, look, what we have is so deep, what we have works so well, that sexual fidelity or an open marriage, either way, it's going to work just as well. So what do you think of the idea of openness, which is all we knew to call it then? Well, Polyamory, it wasn't in vogue as a term. But it's still called that. I mean, I, I call what I have open relating. I don't like the term polyamory because it sounds like you need to kill it with bug spray. <laughs> oh, I, they have an ointment for that now. Um, <laughs> well, except some people do draw a difference, and the difference is a narrow one, as with many of the def definitions in polyamory. But yeah. some people at open as meaning non-monogamous sexually, and polyamory as meaning having more deeper relationships. Mm. A lot of people, when they start out, they have a rule that says you can have sex with anyone you want, but for Pete's sake, don't fall in love with anybody. Right. And you're saying that it's okay to fall in love, or you were saying that then? We weren't saying that then. We started out the same way a lot of people do, which is by saying, hey, sexually open, but you know, the heart belongs here. And we very quickly realized that wasn't who we were. The kind of people, uh, if we were going to have a relationship with someone that was physical, it had to be emotional as well. It often had to be emotional first. Mm -hmm. And so once reality came in, we discovered that was a silly rule. That went by the wayside. In fact, most rules that we started with and most rules that a lot of polyamorous people start with, particularly if they're starting as a couple, uh, go by the wayside fairly quickly. We realized, hey, I trust you. I trust your judgment. And so we don't have to have these hard and fast rules about everything. There are basically very few left. And you're still together. Oh, yes. So you've been married 31 years. And polyamorous from day one. And uh, do you have children? Not that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that candid answer. Um, so it's the two of you. See, because sometimes juggling children and all this polyamory is difficult as well. Oh, sure, um, because you have to educate them about it. And they grow up seeing things often that most of their peers do not and need to understand why. Right. And when Kamala Davy and Michael McClure were starring on the the the, uh, the alternative network hit called uh, Polyamory, Married and Dating, mm -hmm. they got she got threatened by various PTA people and stuff. So, you know, other people have ideas about this that are not as, as open as people like yourself. So. It sounds amazing. So you started from day one, and you're still together 31 years. So, of course, you know, I'm going to ask you if there were any challenges. <laughs> because how you're speaking to me about it is so smooth. But I'm not asking you that yet. First, I want to ask you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm not asking that yet. I, I, maybe I'll ask that in segment two. Um, so since since day one, 
you were open relating. You found that every rule that you've ever made has had to go by the wayside. You're still together. I imagine you're probably more in love than ever. It's just my projection. I'm hoping I'm right. It works very well that way. But I do have to say, not every rule has gone away. Okay. There is basically one rule left. And it is that either of us can ask the other any question about relationships, about dates that we've been on, and they will get a full and complete answer. Some people have a debriefing where they come back from a date with someone else to their nesting partner, the person they live with, and say, mm -hmm. here's everything that happened. Sometimes that can be TMI. So the way we address that is by saying, only ask what you want to know about, but whatever you ask will be fully and honestly answered. I love you. I love you, too. You're my, you're my hero couple now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and that, okay, so that is a great rule because then you're not forced to divulge everything, and the person who's asking only asks what they want to know. So there might be things they don't want to know about, and there might be things they do want to know about. So approximately 31 years. So can you tell me, like, you know, how many lovers you might go through in, in, in a year? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure how we're defining going through, but actually it's very stable. Uh, in the course of that time, I have three exes. And the other relationships that I've started are still going on. Got it. But that also becomes a challenge. Yes. Because over time, you get to the point, what's called polysaturation. Love expands. It's one of the great discoveries of polyamory. Mm -hmm. Patience expands. The amount of caring you have for other people expands. The one thing that doesn't expand is time. Is time. And so if you're going to do proper justice to relationships, at some point you have to say no more. I've got all I can handle. My plate is as full as can be. And no matter how appealing the next person that comes along may be, I have to say out of consideration for my partners and frankly out of consideration for that new person, I can't have a relationship with you now because there just isn't proper time to do justice to you and to my other partners. Right. And it's, and it's, it's like that you have no opening. <laughs> it's like, it's like, not, <laughs> right. it's like having no job positions available. Sure. That yeah. said, not all relationships are the same or make the same kinds of demands. Right. A relationship where you are the other person's only partner takes much more time and attention and care than if they themselves are spreading their time and attention with multiple partners. A relationship where somebody lives next door is very different from one where they live on the other coast. Right, right. I totally get that. And um, don't you have a rule about safer sex? We do have uh, practices about safer sex. Uh, use barriers for penetrative intercourse. Mm -hmm. um, and... Regular testing among all parties. Uh, we ourselves get tested every six months. But I also want to be careful about something because yeah. I've been talking about we and I've been talking about the, the central relationship. And as you know, in dealing with polyamorous folks, there's a great challenge 
when you are partnered, when you have someone that you're coming home to every night, to make sure that that relationship does not become what, involved in what's called couples privilege, where the two of you are making rules for the other people in the polycule. Got it. I didn't know about that. I guess that somewhere I did know about that, but it's it's nice to be re sure. readdressed. Well, and and I and in some people who are open, the primary couple does make rules for the other. They make rules for the other, or they make it clear that this relationship is paramount and comes before all others. Right. And that that can be rather difficult for the other people with whom you're in relationship. Uh, When we look at our situation, some people practice what's called hierarchical polyamory. Right. Where there's a couple at the top and then they have other relationships. Right. When you try not to be hierarchical, uh, well, rather I should say, some people are hierarchical just because that's the fact of life. You Mm -hmm. have a partner with whom you live, with Mm -hmm. whom you have financial entanglements, often with whom you have children, that's automatically going to take a certain priority. Mm -hmm. The difference is whether you have a rule, a prescriptive hierarchy that says no other relationship may be allowed to approach this one in importance or in meaning. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones where that really run into trouble because another partner may look at that and go, I'm, I can only go so far. No matter how well this relationship goes, I will always be number two. Right. Or or seven. (laughs) Or 12 or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) But some people want that. Some people people. want entanglement. I mean, some people do want that. So for some people that, I mean, I'm thinking of a couple that I met at at Hedonism Mm -hmm. uh, quite a few years ago. Actually, I met them a number of times at Hedonism. And they told me about a couple that they used to swing with. Here they loved them and they loved them. And um, then the husband died, one of the husbands. And so the couple continued to swing with the wife. Uh, where the husband was deceased and she <laughs> decided she was in love with couple number one with uh, p- uh, husband number one mm-hmm. and they stopped seeing her because she posed a threat to their relationship. Sure. And some people are able to make a relationship, a, a permanent three-way relationship or more way relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, one of the, ways people talk about polyamory and the title of a very good book on the subject is designer relationships. Once you're open to having multiple ethical partnerships, you get to design the kinds of relationships you want to have instead of the societal one size fits all model that we're all familiar with. You get to decide that in this relationship, it's mostly about sex or this relationship. It's mostly about the opera or monster trucks, or things <laughs> my, my partner isn't interested in, but this other person cares a lot about. So we're going to design a relationship around, you know, following the Renaissance fair schedule around the country. Right. Like you get to All build right. it the way you like it. Yeah. Good. Well, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about 
Um, yeah, navigating certain challenging situations. You've started to get into it already, and it's great. You're definitely knowledgeable. Just before we go, I have to ask if you ever knew Deborah Annapol. I did not. I've read her work, but I didn't have the privilege of her company. Okay. She was a dear friend of mine, and um, she was the person who convinced me that I am Polly, you know, beyond my knowledge. <laughs> so... <laughs> So anyway, just uh, thinking of her fondly as you're talking. So if you just tuned in, you're listening to Sex and Happiness. I'm Laurie Handlers, your host. And today I'm interviewing Pour Votre Plaisir, which is French for at your pleasure or for your pleasure, if it's directly translated. And he and I are having a lively chat about Open Relating, polyamory, he's been polyamorous for 31 years, and that's amazing to me, uh, from day one of marriage, and they're still together, so that's really amazing. Uh, before we go to break, I want to shout out about the Aneros, the new Aneros called the Helix, which uh, gives uh, a lot of greater satisfaction and stimulation for men it's a, it's got a larger head. I don't know if you're familiar with Aneros, but Aneros is an anal plug for men that also stimulates the prostate from inside and outside. And um, my partner and I have used it, and he liked it. And the, I have to say, like, he doesn't talk about things that he doesn't like. Uh, so there's a lot of products we've tried, but this one we like. So that's the uh, Helix by Aneros. And while I'm on the subject, I want to talk about Vivi, which is a uh, vaginal vibrating G-spot stimulator for women made by the same company. It's anerosfem.com. And so you can find out more by going to anerosfem.com or anerosfem.com and finding these products. Those are my shout outs for two new products. So we're going to break. We're coming back. We're talking about polyamory. Stay tuned. Did you ever stop to think that love is your birthright? That you don't need to earn it or prove it? You just need to live it. I'm personally inviting you to the path of true love, power, and freedom. If you're ready to enliven your soul through conscious sexuality and dive deeply into profound ritual that frees your heart, I'm inviting you to join us for the spiritual sexual shamanic experience. This is better known to most of you as the ISTA Level 1 training. I am regularly leading these courses along with a team of accomplished facilitators all around the world. As a matter of fact, these trainings have taken place in 34 countries. For information on when I'm leading, go to ButterflyWorkshops.com. Or for a full schedule, you can go to SchoolofTempleArts.org. Please consider this invitation seriously because love and freedom are your natural state of being. Are you wondering what book to read to jumpstart your life? Get the best from relationships? Attain the deepest feelings of intimacy? Do you want the best sex along with great happiness? Get your copy of Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy by Lori Handlers right now. You'll learn how to make love in the unknown Take the performance anxiety and reaching a goal out of sex. You'll learn subtle ways of communication and really important practices to empower you when dealing with an intimate partner. 
you'll let go of blame and struggle. Doesn't this sound great? Sex and happiness puts the innocence back into sex and gives Tantra the respect it deserves. Take charge of your life, physically, emotionally, and spiritually with Sex and Happiness by Lori Handlers. Only nineteen ninety nine paperback and fourteen ninety nine ebook. Order your copy today by going to butterflyworkshops.com. That's butterflyworkshops.com for your copy of Sex and Happiness. My question for people right now is if you're a woman who could use a little zest and zing in your arousal response, or maybe you know women or a woman who could use this, because many women say that their feelings of desire, arousal, and sexual satisfaction don't happen as naturally or as often as they'd like. So I want to tell you about Zestra, because Zestra was developed to meet this much-needed option for women. Uh, Zestra is safe and a patented blend of botanical oils and extracts, and it's created to help women have increased sexual sensations. Zestra comes in convenient single-dose personal packets, each packet keeps the essential arousal oils and extracts free, fresh, and safe from light. And with application of Zestra, it starts to work within three to five minutes. And at about 10 minutes, there's something called the Zestra Rush. And that can last up to about 45 minutes. The great news is that Zestra can be used as frequently as you like during each sexual experience. Now, I'm somebody who believes that all women deserve sexual satisfaction. That's why I do this show, in case you hadn't noticed. So I believe that men and women deserve sexual satisfaction. So if you're a woman who isn't getting that kind of arousal response that you want, please call 877-426-8047. That's 877-426-8047. And please remember to say you heard about Zestra from Laurie Handlers on the Sex and Happiness Show. We're back with Sex and Happiness. I'm Laurie Handler, as your host, and I'm talking today to Pour Votre Plaisir. And um, that is for your pleasure. And he's talking a lot about aspects of polyamory, some that I hope you find interesting. Because if you haven't tried open relating or you haven't been poly, then, uh, then you don't know what's possible. And what he's talking about with me are some possibilities that are not necessarily known in common, but he's recommended a book, Designer Relationships. So who is that by, by the way? By Mark Michaels and Patricia Johnson, and it's one of the newer books on the subject. Uh, there are I three- know those people, too. Oh, sure. Uh, I, they've been on my show before, and uh, I know them from New York. There are three really foundational books that people tend to point to when thinking about practicing polyamory, and then two that are more of a a theoretical nature of why this is an interesting subject and how to implement it. And we can talk about those or. Well, I, I I mean, you know, we can, since you didn't write them, (laughs) (laughs) I can talk to those authors about them. I actually, maybe I'll have them back on my show. Sure. But the one author that you can't talk to, and as we were referring to a little bit ago, Deborah Annapol, right. Polyamory, the New Love Without Limits. Right. Uh, for anyone who's curious about how it works and what it is, is a terrific place to start. Yes, and she uh, has been on my show 
before as well. So even though we can't talk to her anymore, she can be listened to on my show. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So let's talk about some of the, some of the early difficulties that you ran into. What are some of the challenges and the hurdles that you were able to overcome through communication? Well, the biggest one was when the nature of the relationships changed, of the outside relationships. Uh, I mentioned that um, my wife, my nesting partner, had existing relationships that she came to the marriage with. She would be traveling regularly on business and would take that opportunity to see those other people. So it, was an, it wasn't that she was going out the door in order to see someone else. She was going out the door anyway. And as long as she was out there on the road, she might as well have a good time and right. see people that she cared about. That was wonderful. And it was when we started to get local partners and there was going out the door, leaving the, the home, the, the nest, to see another person deliberately for that purpose, that it started to get a little more awkward. It started to get a little more real in a way. Mm-hmm. And there, that was when feelings came up that needed to be dealt with. Uh, and other times, other challenges included things like figuring out, because we were doing this from scratch, there weren't many books out 31 years ago. Right. Uh, figuring out how close do you let someone be Do you get financially involved? What is the difference that makes one relationship unique from another? How big a wall do you want to build? And people have very different answers to this question around the existing relationship that you started with if you came into this as a couple. Many people don't. They practice what's called solo polyamory where they are a free agent. But if you're starting from already being coupled, there are different sorts of questions that arise. And those are some of them. Yeah, I can see that. I can see the difference, like being on the road, like that's how I am. I'm on the road all the time. Mm -hmm. Being on the road, things are one thing. And then going out the door when you're home is a different aspect. And for you, you were home all the time or you too were on the road? Uh, I generally wasn't at at that point early in the relationship. You uh, weren't on the road. So one part, if one partner is going out the door for a lovely date and there's a big stack of dishes to do or laundry or lots of real world things to deal with. Yeah. We're talking before about uh, couples with children. If someone is staying home, taking care of the kids so their partner can go out and have a date, what a lovely thing that is, first of all. But secondly, if it's the same partner going out all the time and the other partner enabling it all the time, that can get tiresome. That can be a reason to do some serious communicating. Yeah, that could just be a big argument, not having anything to do with dating other people. Oh, sure. I'm always the one taking out the garbage. I'm always the one doing the dishes. I'm always the one doing whatever. I'm enabling everything. And you're always out there having fun. I mean, let's take dating out of it for a moment. Right. Let's say you're, you're going out to play bowling. poker with the guys. Right. You're right. going bowling. You're going to your book club, whatever it is, and I'm always home. Often when people are starting as a couple, one partner or the other will have a lot more success in finding other partners. And that can lead to stress in a relationship as well. If you're, if you, 
you're counting on this one relationship and the other person is out there having a great time with lots of other people. That's very typical for new couples who are starting in polyamory. Yeah, one has, gets all the attention and the other one doesn't. Sure. Now, sometimes, as you were saying about other aspects of polyamory, sometimes that's just fine with each person because people do polyamory very differently. Yeah. My domestic partner and I do polyamory fairly differently. I have a number of relationships. She essentially has a second spouse. And, and you know, fewer people, more time concentrated on those people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Amazing. And over time, you learn how to make it work for both of you and make the calendars sync up. It's a very typical trope for polyamorous people to say, without Google Calendar, this would not be possible. <laughs> okay. And, um, and so, yeah, that just brought up a whole bunch of other, I, I mean, I have a friend who's, I have a, a couple friend who's the, the she's monogamous and he's not, mm-hmm. and that works just fine for them. Sure. Um, well, so- and, and we were talking about the idea of this being designing your own relationships for some people. One partner takes all the time and attention that they care to devote to relationships. For other people, it's far more than that. Yeah, I totally get that. So um, now you said you also had experience with swinging and and kink. Mm -hmm. So let's add that into the mix. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Swinging was actually something that uh, was experimented with fairly early on in being polyamorous. Mm -hmm. big argument in the community frequently about whether swinging counts as polyamory because, you know, you've got amory in there and that's supposed to be about love, not just sex, but some people define love differently than others. So it, and, and tellingly the person who invented the word polyamory, uh, morning glory is L Ravenheart intended for it to encompass all of the ethical non-monogamy. And that includes swinging, sexually based relationships as well as other kinds. Mm -hmm. I tend to to look at it that swinging is defined by an activity and that activity can lead to relationships. Exactly. Polyamory is defined by relationships and those relationships can lead to activity. (laughs) I like the way you put that. I mean, I go often to hedonism and I wouldn't define myself necessarily as a swinger. Um, I don't go to swing clubs or anything like that, but I love being in a sexually alive and pro uh, pro sexuality uh, environment. I love it there, and I usually go the same week year after year, so I know all the people, many of the people that return year after year, and they. I mean, we are in love relationships, no matter what we do. No question. And yeah. that, that's one of the wonderful things I, I share that with you about being in a sex positive environment. Even if you're not participating or participating very little in the physical activity, just being in a liberated environment where the default answer is yes, where people are open to experimentation and trying things and you can do it or not as you please, it is so such a relief from a number of the walls and strictures we put around ourselves every day. 
Exactly. So that's why I love it there. I haven't been in a year and, uh, and I, I'm very much missing it. And it's not going to be till 2020, October 2020, when I take a group back to hedonism. And um, two years without it is a long time. I mean, I've just had such a great time there. So I, I agree that um, polyamory defines a lot, like really a lot uh, and a range of things, like a palette of things and then there are things to be designed so it's mm -hmm. great and then kink so i also yeah. i teach kink i teach tantra meets bdsm and so i'm interested to know about your experience with kink as well and why did you get involved with that oh my well tantra meets bdsm sounds like bambi meets godzilla one of them is going <laughs> to wind up really disturbing the other but <laughs> but uh, got in, involved with that in part because uh, a couple that introduced that we met that we knew socially knew in the vanilla world and then d they decided to come out as swingers and kinky to us and we said well guess what <laughs> you didn't know this but we're polyamorous and kink what's that and these folks <laughs> were sex positive and had open relationships themselves uh, introduced us to the kink world and that's something that is an, it's not a mainstay of activities, but it is certainly an interesting spice to bring into relationships. And once yeah. again, going well, to... I can, I can tell you that um, one of my students, he was a long-term student of mine, Om Rupani, then went into the kinkier side of things and called me one day and said, you need to come to New York and have a session with me. I can show you how I can bring you to the bliss state Mm -hmm. as uh, by either eye gazing or spanking. And right. I said, oh, you got to show me that. And so that's how I began teaching with him. Wonderful. And, <laughs> and as you know, going to kink events, it's like that same freedom that you find at a swing event, but with a whole nother layer on top. Exactly. You People may not be having sex, but, but sometimes it's more sensual. I mean, it, it's taken my sex life to whole other octaves than I ever dreamed of, just adding a little kink in. And it's an environment where, you, where people let themselves be who they absolutely want to be. Right. They get to try things that they want deep inside that they can't tell a lot of people about. Exactly. So you come to know their true natures in a whole different way. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So... I loved it. So somebody that just in your vanilla world, by the way, for my listeners, vanilla world means people who you think are having just um, straight, plain, uh, missionary <laughs> with a few variationals of sex. That's what vanilla world means. It means like something uh, in the, more in the norm. And then, you, then we find out that people have various tastes that Either they never talk about or they finally got the nerve to talk about or on and on the things that poor and I are talking about. Quite amazing. Well, let's see. Do you think there's anything that we left out? We gave people resources. We told people how you got into it. It sounds like you're one of the happiest guys I've ever talked to. Well, there's not much reason not to be happy. Uh, one of the things that, you get to do when you're living life as you want it 
is to focus on those things that make you happy. And that works with each of the relationships as well. We were talking before about the opera or bowling. You know, if you've got a partner who really doesn't like something that you are passionate about, you're doing them a service by finding another partner who is passionate about that and taking the responsibility off that one partner for fulfilling all your needs. We called this segment Beyond Monogamy. Mm -hmm. And while that's not saying that polyamory is better than monogamy, for many people, monogamy is exactly the right thing. But what it does do is it lets you build a relationship where one other person doesn't have to meet all of your needs mm -hmm. and doesn't have to feel obligated or that they're not doing their job if they don't meet all your needs. We have this structure that is the default in society that says the two of you will get together and you'll meet each other's needs for the rest of time. And if that's not true, you're just going to have to have your needs unmet. Yeah. What a terrible thing. <laughs> Polyamory lets you build an alternative to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. That's so great. We're going to take another break here. When we come back, we're going to find out how people actually get in touch with you. I said a little bit about it in the very beginning segment. And any tips that you have uh, that you might just, you know, pull out of your back pocket or, um, you know, something that helps people, especially if they've been in an established relationship for a long time and they're thinking about opening, like, what might be the first step? I, I guess I also, there's another question I didn't ask you, but... I'll wait until the next segment and ask you that. So this is Laurie Handlers. You're listening to Sex and Happiness. Again, I'm interviewing Pour Autre Plaisir, and um, that's French for For Your Pleasure. And uh, he's very knowledgeable about this whole subject of polyamory in a way that, I, you know, you're different. I have to just say he's different because he's not zealous about it. Like, I don't find you to be a zealot. I find you to just be like calm and talking to me, which sounds great. Well, thank you. Yeah. I don't believe it's the right thing for everybody, but right. it's the right thing for more people than are currently thinking about it. You're not trying to convince. You're just say, stating your experience and some ideas that people could toss around, which is super. So thank you for that. We're coming right back for segment three. Please stay tuned. So many times you've heard Lori talk about emotional release on this show. She says over and over again how important it is for you and your loved ones. Now you can do emotional release in the privacy of your own home. And you can practice Lottie Han too, meditation that prepares you for making love in the unknown. In her CD, Shamanic Release and Lottie Han, she creates a safe and sacred space in which you can do the powerful work Lori is known for in her Butterfly Workshops courses. Lori sets you up with the proper positioning and breathing. Then she guides you through each emotional state to the beat of tribal African rhythms. This CD actually provides an easy way to do emotional clearing work on a regular basis. Order your copy of Shamanic Release and Lottie Han today and watch your relationships walk free of emotional baggage. To order your copy, go to ButterflyWorkshops.com right now. As a sex and happiness coach... I understand that increased sexual participation 
intensifies sexual responsiveness and desire, as well as overall health and well-being. My experience with a Sibian has personally increased my sexual response, and I can now train women to use this machine to have peak orgasms as often as possible. I strongly believe this will add to their health and well-being whether they have a partner or not. The beauty and the miracle of the human body is that it adapts and changes much more rapidly than people change their beliefs or their opinions. The Sibian can make any woman's body more resilient with each peak orgasm. Sibian is an amazing experience, often described as the Lamborghini of sex toys. If you're a woman and you can get yourself to look at Sibian, you should do so. It won't take away from your partner. It will only add. Trust me on this. I love my Sibian. Go to Sibian.com. That's S-Y-B-I-A-N dot com. Or call 1-800-253-6135. That's 800-253-6135. And say, Laurie Handler has told you about Sibian. And by the way, if you do have a partner, ask about Venus for Men. That's Venus, V-E-N-U-S, for men. Again, this is Sex and Happiness. I'm Laurie Handlers, and I'm interviewing Poor Votre Plaisir today. And um, I, I'd like to know, um, yeah, first of all, let's talk about how people would get in touch with you. Do you, you write about it? Do you do any workshops on it or anything? Are there, what do you offer for people who are just getting their feet wet, let's say? I, I don't sell workshops. I do speak at polyamory and other sex positive events. Okay. Uh, the Woodhull Sexual Freedom Summit uh, a couple of times at the Loving More conferences, various conferences around the country. I also write, uh, as you noted earlier in the broadcast, blogging at net. That's P-O-U-R-V-O-T-R-E-P-L-A-I-S-I-R.net. And tweet at, at PSV Writer. PSV Writer. Okay, that's great. I'll start following you. Um, so let's see. If somebody were just starting out, what would be your best tip for them in the moment? Be gentle with yourself. Remember that you your second, the first relationship that you make beyond yourself is actually your second relationship because you have a permanent, standing, vital relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. One of the things that polyamorous people often fail to remember as they build their life, as they build their polycule, the people around them with whom they're involved, is they forget to schedule time for themselves as they would any other lover, because you need to keep up your energy. You need to keep up your focus on what you need in order so that you can do proper service to your other relationships. There's a reason the airlines say to put your oxygen mask on before helping the person next to you. (laughs) If you're not keeping yourself up to snuff, you can't be good for everybody else. 
Right, right, right. That's good. I love that analogy. Put on your oxygen mask first. That's great. So be gentle with yourself. Um, I think having communication skills is really important. It's Uh, absolutely vital because these relationships change over time. If, you know, a relationship with two people in it changes significantly over time. That's part of why the divorce rate is as high as it is. People don't communicate. They don't evolve in the same direction. And when you've got three or four or more relationships and they're all changing all the time, communication with partners is absolutely essential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I would say. I mean, for me, a very big part of it would be owning your own experience, either doing the landmark forum or taking a course in nonviolent communication. So so you have the communication tools in your tool belt that enable you to communicate with somebody under any circumstances, like being able to speak when you're upset, being able to speak non-blaming, um, being able to own your own feelings, etc. That's what I would say are super important uh, for navigating this turf as well, communication yeah. skills. Absolutely. And when you're looking to brush those up, you don't have to be looking for skills specifically in about polyamorous relationships or about relationships. Any forum where you're learning communication skills is useful. One of my partners had a very good experience at a forum called Women, The Woman Within, uh, where, yeah, she, know that one. where she learned communications skills more than anything else and yeah. has applied those to the rest of life. Uh, similarly, one of the foundational books we were talking about is called The Ethical Slut is primarily about communication in relationships. The things you learn there are applicable to all kinds of relationships, monogamous relationships, work relationships. They just happen to apply to polyamory as well. Right. Very, very good. And The Woman Within is the uh, sister program to the Mankind Project. Yes. Yeah. So that's great. Really good stuff to know. Okay. Well, so people get in touch with you if they want to know what your speaking schedule is or if they want to read your blog. Um, that's right. And they can also get in touch on Facebook at Poor Vote Plaisir if they wish to, uh, to message or anything like that. All right. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for being my guest today. You have really um, calmly and sweetly discussed a, a topic that is on many, many, many people's minds these days. And most people don't really, even if they're considering it, don't know how to navigate it. They make a lot of mistakes and get burned sometimes and hurt. And maybe we could take some of the burn and the hurt out of it. And we can also tell them that you're going to make mistakes. That's all right. As long as you can communicate with the person with whom you made a mistake, you can move forward. Yeah. Beautiful. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So glad that we came across each other. It was delightful to spend time with you, Lori. Thank you. So I want to thank all my listeners for hanging in there with me, for listening over the course of all these years to sex and happiness and wanting to increase your sex and your happiness. It's wonderful. Please tune in next time when I'll have another amazing guest just for you, just for your life, just for whatever you're up to right now. Thank you so much. This is Laurie Handler signing off. 
for sex and happiness. Thank you for joining us today for Sex and Happiness. To learn more about Lori and her work, please go to ButterflyWorkshops.com or follow her on Twitter or Facebook. You can send her an email at sexandhappiness at gmail.com. We'll see you again right here next week for another edition of Sex and Happiness. Oh.